2: Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrock and Tommy Kester.
0: All right, welcome in, everybody. Happy Friday to you. TGIF here on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester, Jad Chambers producing. Uh, Wyatt Thompson, voice of the K State Wildcats, will join us in our next segment. Uh, to get you prepped and primed for a massive road game for K-State this weekend. We'll also look ahead for KU for Wichita State as we get ready for a college basketball weekend. Bouncing around the sports world as well. uh, Continue to be fascinated by the top of the NFL draft. uh, What could potentially come there? The Combine is underway. Lots of fun stuff going on uh, on this Friday. Happy to be here with you. Tommy,
1: how are you? Hey, I'm good. I wanted to bring this up to you. And I I texted you about this yesterday. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in you because uh, there's a radio host in Dallas that got a tattoo on his back of the Rangers box score from game five of the World Series when they when they Uh clinched the entire box score on his back. And I, you know, I thought you were the biggest diehard Rangers fan. I want to know why you don't have a tattoo of that box score on your back.
0: Uh, well, I don't have any tattoos. I I mean, if I was going to get something to sell it, well, a, a, that's not something I'll, I'll, that would incline me to get a tattoo. I think tattoos are cool. Uh, I could totally have one if I thought something was but, – but a box score of
1: a baseball game? Yeah, it wasn't even World Series champs, Rangers. It was literally the entire box score from top to bottom on this guy's back.
0: I mean, why don't I just get like a, a Dungeons and Dragons board tattooed on my? I mean, come on now, no, that's a box score. That's pretty nerdy, right? You're like, a
1: diehard Rangers
0: fan, though. I'm like, a diehard Rangers something... fan. I am, but a but a box score. I, I I don't think that that's I don't think that that's that cool. I mean, good for him for celebrating that way, and uh, it's a great bit for radio. Don't get me wrong. The problem is anytime anybody sees that 90% of the people that see it are going to have to say, well, what is that? And then he will be like, oh, well, it's the box score from the Rangers winning the world series. And then they're like, okay, what's a box score? Right? Because that's, that's a pretty in the weeds. I it just doesn't seem like a good story. If I'm going to have a tattoo, I got to have a good story to go with it. Uh, I may have told this story. I've got a buddy who we, uh, Named, We have the same name, so we call him Chili's. We always called them Chili's, and I don't remember the circumstances of why, uh, but one night at the bar, actually on a trip to see the Rangers, oddly enough, we made him, at the end of the night, of course, sign a, a, a contract on a bar napkin that he would get the Chili's logo tattooed on his butt. And so the <laughs> next morning, we woke up, and he got the Chili's logo tattooed on his butt. And now I have thoroughly enjoyed that because anytime I'm like, oh, man, have you seen his tattoo? I'm like oh no, then you get a chance to you know show his butt like at a it's great it's a great story that's a great story, a box score. Oh, that's kind of like a nerd alert thing for me. I I I don't I don't know how cool a box score is. I don't know what would celebrate and and that's the other thing. Like I, what if they win another one, right? Like I would now you gotta
1: put another box score on. I, I just well I you don't, do don't the know. other box score on the front. You do it on your yeah. chest if you did the first what one if, on the back. Then, you got to do the second one on your chest, and then
0: they win a third championship. I mean, you're gonna you're setting a weird precedent there. You're I, running I out of room nev-
1: is basically what you're yeah. doing at that point.
0: Yeah, and what if like, what if you all of a sudden, and I don't know why this would ever happen, but what if you like were just like the Rangers made you so mad, and you just didn't want to be a fan anymore? Then what are you gonna do?
1: I, I don't I, think that would I, ever happen. Like once you get ink on your body that's permanent, you are I mean, locked are committed for life. Yeah, you're, you are you're committed. pretty committed.
0: Yeah, there's no I there's thought no you I mean, you know,
1: I figured you were ex- extremely diehard. But now I know like there's another level to it, to that to that fandom that even radio I, hosts are they're, they're surpassing you. I suppose
0: there is. Um, it's you know, like if there's a if there's another level of, you know, ink fandom, which this isn't the first time we've heard somebody getting a a tattoo of their favorite team or something like it. I just that ain't going to be it for me. Uh, as far as whatever inclines me to get my first tattoo, which, you know, as my body gets older and saggier and, you know, a little uh, floppier, I don't know what the right adjective is, a, a tattoo's probably something I should have done a while back. Like, I, I th- I'm not sure that, you know, uh, father time... Does a good job of making tattoos still relevant for you as you age and sag a little
1: bit. Well, you got to find a place on your body that is going to be the least likely to sag. So your forehead, mm. you could do that. Oh, because that's I mean, not really gonna sag. Get a
0: close up on the. Uh,
1: do I mean, it. I look, uh, like sh- I look like a Sharpey. I, maybe I, on I, your maybe <laughs> maybe on your ankle. Yeah, you know, or on your maybe. foot. Your foot's not yeah. gonna sag. No, uh, a
0: calf tat. I have. <laughs> I have another buddy who loves tats. He's all kinds of inked up uh, so much so that they went that when he was younger, they went. He has a he has like a I forget what it is. It's like a unicorn mermaid tattooed on the back of his calf. So he was at a tattoo parlor. And what they did was they had like a they had like three spinny wheels and you'd go in there and you'd spin each wheel. And it was like, you know, one describes something, the other describes something, the other was the placement on your body. So he spins the wheel, and he gets, like, mermaid unicorn and back of calf. So there it sits. Like, that's – see, that's another great story. Like, that's a great story to be able to say, like, well, that's what – box score on the back just doesn't roll off the tongue at a party, right? <laughs> well, what, what does that number mean? Well, that's actually runs, and then there's hits, and then there's errors, right? And so an error in a baseball game is – what? like, no, I, I that's too – Somebody I, I to up to
1: a, you. You're at the pool, and they're like, "What is what does lob mean? What is that? Oh, yeah. lob, left on base. That, that that's basically what that means."
0: Yeah. No, I need a good story for something like that. I need a good story for just about anything. There's nothing better than a good story. Uh, that's not a good story. I I don't think it is anyway. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine explaining that tattoo, even one time. Let alone because you got to explain it every time, right? Like it's not. Th- there's no getting around it. People are probably not going to know what that is. And then, and then it's it's just not a good enough story to have to tell that many times. It's just not. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I'm a Rangers fan. I'm a, listen, I'm as excited as anybody except maybe that guy that they won the World Series. I was talking yesterday. Uh, I was talking to, to Jay Miller, who's another diehard Rangers fan. And we were talking about the World Series win, and he spent some time with the organization. And you may have seen some of the stories about that. And I told him, and I hadn't thought about this. Like, we were talking about actually 2010 when they lost the World Series in that excruciating Game 6. And I was like, you know what's crazy about all of this? I'm going to remember more about that than I am about their win. Like, I remember everything about that night and how painful that was. Like, what, you know, what inning, where I was, like, all of that stuff. The win, even right now... I'd have a hard time taking you through all the sequences of that particular game. Now, I remember, like, the moment they, they won it, and maybe this is just age and memory fading on me, but it's odd that, that, like, that painful moment. Like, I'll never forget any of that, but I'm already forgetting what specifically happened in the in the Game 5 win, right? Like, it's that's crazy to me, but that's reality. Maybe, maybe I'm unique in that. Uh, 869-1240, joining us on the hotline, Wyatt Thompson. We'll get you primed for the Cats this weekend next on Sports Daily
2: the commercials are over I haven't got all day 869-1240 time to get busy this is Sports Daily on KFH your new radio home for K-State Athletics 97.5 and 1240 KFH it's that time Sports Daily getting all the inside information on Kansas State let's go now to the voice of the Wildcats Wyatt Thompson all right, welcome back
0: in everybody to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor here. Wyatt Thompson joins us for a Friday visit. We always appreciate a Friday uh, ahead of a well, the biggest game of the year for K State. That is a fair statement, I think, because they got to have it against Cincinnati. And we've had a lot of these got to have it games. It feels like Wyatt over the last few weeks because the line is so thin. I think in in them being able to get to the NCAA tournament. But as we look at it and the way things went, especially this week, Tuesday night was a rough night for the Wildcats on what other people did. They're going to have to pass Cincinnati in, in basically the selection committee's eyes. And what better way to do that, right, than to go to their place and beat them?
3: Well, you said it perfectly. And Coach Tang yesterday during a little press gathering basically called it an NCAA tournament game, uh, play in game, whatever you want to say. And, and I think that's accurate. It doesn't mean that the season is over if you don't. And yet, I think you kind of get the sense that if that is the case, then you're probably going to have to win in Lawrence and beat Iowa State at home and then do a little damage in the tournament. Do you agree with that assessment? I, That's the way I kind of see it. I, And, you know, it's interesting because this is a Cincinnati team that is ranked 45th in the net. Uh, they have had a, an okay season up and down, uh, but but basically just it's it's funny how the metrics and, and all of the analytical stuff goes because, you know, K-State's <laughs> behind them, I, I think, a little farther than I thought they might be just based on looking at the resumes. But, hey, you got to deal with it and, and go win a ballgame.
1: You know, it was a a fascinating game on Monday, Wyatt. The Wildcats looked incredible in the first half, and then the the script was flipped in the second half. But we know how great this team is under Jerome Tang in overtime. I know a lot happened in that game from start to finish, but what were your big takeaways from Monday night's win against West Virginia?
3: Well, it's, it's a very interesting question because Way, the way I look at it in retrospect now is is how well they played for about the last 15 minutes of the first half, maybe some of their best basketball of the season offensively, following a really pretty good, solid performance uh, with BYU on, on Saturday. They made 11 of 19 threes, and then you get into the second half and you could tell they didn't, just didn't have the same amount of juice and once West Virginia started rolling, they just couldn't get them shut down. They scored 53 second half points. And it's rare that you cough up a 25 point lead. I mentioned this in a couple of other interviews this week. Think about this K State won the game in overtime. And there was a point in the game where they were outscored 41 to 12. I can't remember ever doing a game, and I've done a lot of games where I could compare that to something else I'd seen. But you're right. They get it to overtime, felt pretty good about it, I think, and, and uh, pulled it out. It, it was just it was just such an odd, odd game. But at the end of the day, it was a much-needed win. But I, I would like to go back and, and win by 20 or 25 and not experience the second half because I think it would have helped us. <laughs> I don't know that it helped us much going uh, into overtime with a home win against a team that had been 9 and 17 or 18 or whatever. that. Probably not that much help there. Yeah, it's
0: look, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know. I the Jerome Tang has said for a long time nine and nine. At first I was a little yep. skeptical of nine and nine. I didn't know if it'd be enough. Now, like, well, maybe nine to nine, and and I'm with you, a conference tournament winner or two would be enough. What will be really yeah. interesting is to see how the committee weights net ranking versus conference standing. Um, you know, they'll, they'll pass UCF if they haven't already. And I think they'll have a chance to pass Cincinnati, but they're not going to, they're not going to pass the others in the mix at this point, not after BYU went to Kansas and won and Texas won in Lubbock. So you could see Kansas state finish ahead of teams in the conference standings, but be behind them in the net. And I just don't know how that's going to be weighted. I I think in a best case scenario, you see the committee take 10 teams, but you know, if it's nine, it's going to be tricky. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I, I think the formula there is is as simple as this. If you beat Cincinnati there, that gives you eight conference wins. They will be five and 11. I don't know if the committee could justify taking UCF in that scenario over K-State. Now, maybe you would agree with that in part or, or not, and I think you could argue it till the cows come home, as the old saying goes. But at some level, um, the league standings and the amount of league wins uh, should matter. Um, it, it always, from my perspective, that's what I think.
1: Wyatt, I want to go back to Monday night very briefly because we mentioned the way that they played in overtime. And it's just remarkable to me that Jerome Tang is 12-0 and in overtime games in two years as coach at Kansas State. In your mind, is that largely a coincidental thing or are there things happening that Jerome Tang does maybe differently than other coaches or something to allow his team to be able to execute the way that they do when they have to play overtime games?
3: Fantastic question. And I'm not sure that I have the exact right answer for you. I think there's probably some good fortune in it um, you know, and it does come down to execution, making shots, those kinds of things. And I think it's pretty much not arguable that 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 they've been better than most of those teams in that seven and zero stretch this year, and twelve and zero in the last two. I, I don't think the the numbers would lie about that. Why it's happening? Um, again, I think it just comes down to execution. I don't know if he would tell you even that they do anything different or, or what have you. But I do know in, in watching, cause I get to watch practice quite a bit, uh, that they do more than most coaches that I've worked with work on late game scenarios. Um, and, and I don't mean just overtime but late game scenarios, probably he probably does more than it. And honestly, I, I To me, that's probably as good an answer as I can give you under the circumstances. There's some fortune in it, but I think there's good execution with it, too. And, you know, a lot of those games have been at home. That helps, too.
0: I was thinking about this uh, when they they (laughs) went ahead and got that win. It made me think of Tyler Perry and, you know, him being really – Him being what they thought they would get, and it made me wonder, too, like, we know how guards can affect the NCAA tournament, how great guards can really carry their team, a la Marquis Noel last year. You think Tyler Perry could Mm -hmm. do that for K-State if they get a seat at the table? Could you see that sort of, you know, highest-level Tyler Perry— leading on a on a dark horse run, they do feel like a team that can do that. There's lots of teams in the Big 12 that feel that way, but I think K-State's probably one of them if he's at his best.
3: I love the topic because I, I think common sense would say, one, it would be hard to compare what Marquise did last year in postseason with almost anybody. He had one of the greatest tournaments in the history of the NCAA tournament. And yet in the same breath, I get what you're saying about Tyler. I mean, he makes, he's like 133 out of 146 at the foul line. And he gets there late in tight games. He has the ability to make shots. The thing that I'm excited about the most is, is just how driven he seems to be here in the last couple of two or three weeks. And I believe that the guy is playing his best basketball right now. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but yeah. I think he's gotten better. I think Columa's gotten better. I'm excited about Cam again because he went through a stretch there. And I'm just being honest about this. He felt rotten for about eight or ten days, and now he's starting to come back and be kind of the player everybody thought he could be. So exactly. um, all of those things are good things, and then – with the growth of David and Will, you know, yeah, it's two games. Yeah, they were home games. What happens now, though? Um, because I do believe Coach feels like they are starting to maybe turn the corner a little bit on some things. I think if you watch the BYU game, as an example, that was probably as consistent of 40 minutes that they've played all season long. So there is reason for optimism. There's no guarantees though that you're going to go there and win because it's hard. And they're they're what concerns you is they're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, especially on the offensive side.
1: You know, I thought what was impressive uh, most about Tyler Perry on Monday night was not just the way he shot the basketball. I mean, it was probably one of, if not the best shooting games that. He's had, you know, especially in conference play. But I thought it was the assist to turnovers. I mean, it was 2-1. to Really didn't turn the ball over that much. And I know that him protecting the basketball has been a big focus this season and something that I would imagine has got to be a top priority for Coach Tang as we get into postseason play.
3: Yeah, you said a lot there. I agree with all of that. And I think what has also helped Tyler is, as you go back to Saturday, Um, think about how efficient that 28 and 10 game was for Arthur Kaluma. And, and the way, you know, everybody uh, was involved offensively in the West Virginia game, more of it in the first half and in overtime than in the second half. And I admit that, but you got three threes from day, day Ames. You even got one from RJ Jones. I mean, that's the thing. I've said this all year long. They, they have their warts, but when they're playing at a, a high level, uh, or close to optimum level, they can beat anybody. And Coach said last night on the show that Cincinnati is capable of beating anybody in our league and losing to anybody in our league. And I, I think K-State's probably pretty similar, if honestly.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So yeah. um, we, we look at KU losing at home to BYU. We know Kevin McCuller's been out. This question got brought up, and I, you know, I kind of thought it was crazy. Maybe it's not as crazy as I'm thinking, but – it, it, what what do you think would be the best chance to get another one of those wins? Of course, Cincinnati this weekend's the one they got to have, but at Kansas without McCullough or at home against Iowa
3: State. Oh, that's a great question because most people are going to expect me to say the game at home, right? Because it makes the most sense. And right. yet, if you watch Iowa State closely, they are playing really, really good defensive basketball This now. I don't know if you watched their game the other night against Oklahoma, but it reminded it reminded me of our game at Houston. Everything Oklahoma made was hard. I mean, I know Houston is considered the best team in the league, and I believe they are, and I think they have the player of the league, of the year in the league and Jamal Shedd but I don't think Iowa state is that far behind them on the defensive side and they have offensive options too. So I guess that's a long answer to say um, either one is going to be hard. If you're asking me which one is more probable, I'm going to say <laughs> just based on history and being at home, you you got to pick the Iowa state game.
1: Why you've called a lot of big 12 tournaments over the course of your career. How important is, seeding to you I mean I know it's kind of a crapshoot depending on what teams you face and what order and where they're all seated and and all of that but you know I would imagine you know staying out of that opening day that first play-in day is you know got to be very important but beyond that for this year for this team do you think seeding and where you know if you're battling between a couple of teams for whatever potential seed that is if it's Oklahoma or Texas or TCU does that play a big difference do you think as the way that tournament plays out
3: Great question, and I think the, the short answer is yes, it can, but not always. And I don't want to be a fence rider for you, <laughs> but sure. but as an example, I've kind of projected out some options, and there's one scenario that I saw yesterday that, that K-State would play Oklahoma uh, in the first round, and I thought to myself, you know what? That's not a bad draw, be, be, and, I, and I'm talking about the quarterfinals, be, because – even though Oklahoma played really well here in Manhattan and they clubbed the Cats I don't know if that would be the same scenario now because I think we're different and I think they're different doesn't mean K-State's better but I think they would have a better chance to to win a game in Kansas City in that in that light um if you <laughs> there's I I think it's more this is just my personal opinion I think it's more about the matchups And when you play teams, then it is, you know, especially this year, I guess I will say, I mean, in a 7-10 matchup in this league, do you think there's that much difference? I'm going to say probably not a lot. No, and neutral,
0: well, neutral court too, but maybe for K-State, because if you're trying to get as many quad one wins as you can, yeah, you'd probably Mm -hmm. like to avoid Houston or Iowa State. Right at minimum and probably yeah. Kansas yeah. in the tournament. So maybe the seeding matters a little bit more for them than it normally would because they do need to pile those wins up. I, they these the last three games, man, it's right there for them, which is which is what you know Coach Tang's been saying all along, and and I think he's been <laughs> right. And and part of it's just the league beating up on yeah. each other, I suppose, and crazy things happening. White, I want to ask you about um, up the road, Lance Leipold gets a big you know, contract extension, great for the state of Kansas, great for what could be an incredible football season. Do you think, have you, do you have any inkling that that may put pressure on K-State to do a similar thing for Coach Kleiman as Leipold now catapults near the top of the league in salary? Where where do you think that all stands? Both of these guys have stayed committed to the universities, uh, but it is an interesting dynamic to
3: see that right down the road. It's a really, really interesting topic, isn't it? Because I think everybody would respect what KU is doing in terms of their commitment to Kansas football, to Coach Leipold, but even more than that, with, with his staff and that kind of thing, they've, they've made a pretty yeah. legitimate uh, jump here, and I think you respect that. As it relates to Coach Kleiman, I, one, haven't given it a whole heck of a lot of thought but when you asked, one of the first things that I thought about was, and, and I say this virtually every day of my life, I think Coach Kleiman is very happy here. I think he's perfectly fine with the money he makes. Maybe the most important thing for him is his family likes it here and the fact that he's working for one of his best friends and they have mutual amazing trust between each other. Uh, to me, that – at this point in his career, I think that means as much as anything. And I, I wouldn't tell you that if I didn't believe it. I've I've had conversations with Coach about this, and, and I he loves Gene Taylor. And frankly, I do too. Gene has done an amazing job here. I think everybody sees that. Um, and it's it's probably pretty satisfying for him to go to work every day uh, in this environment where he's doing it his way and has a boss that's given him every everything he can possibly give him. Uh, within the limits, of course, but um, I, I think he's really happy. Would he want more money? Well, wouldn't we all? But I don't think it's going to be an issue. Let's put it that way. I <laughs> yeah. just don't. Well, and and
0: and the <laughs> staff and the facilities—that's as big a part of it, you know, as anything. Yeah. I think that's being done over there at Kansas. The right. other thing I wanted to ask you about is to get your your thoughts. So. It looks like a 5 and 7 model on the new CFP which is great which is fantastic and great news for the Big 12. And now there's already talk of yep. maybe growing that and getting some guaranteed spots for you know maybe more guaranteed spots for the bigger league. I, I do you have any concern about the motives on this stuff? I mean, we know why because the SEC and the Big 10 want more money, but I've said this before, yeah. I don't think I have a problem with that because they they are right now in, in the best position as leagues, but do you have any concern about what you're seeing as it relates to the Big 12, or or does this all seem fine to you and
3: the Big 12 is secure in it? Well, let me say it this way. From the Big 12 perspective, I'm probably, for the most part, okay with it. Spending some time in my career at a lower level at Colorado State, I would be more concerned about that level of competitor having a real legitimate chance. But with that said, I also have to say this. I don't have a real big problem at the top of it because I, I think that's the way it's going to go anyway with, with television and the, the, the power of the two leagues. I think it makes much more sense as we talk today of having the SEC get three as opposed to the Big Ten. But if the Big 12 gets two, I, I'm okay yeah. with that under this current See, s- I, situation. And I think it's going to change again in 26 going to 14. Uh, have you heard that? I think that's a possibility. Yep.
0: The three, the three, three, two, two. And then it, that uh-huh. model, which would give the ACC and the bit, w- I am actually okay with that too. Like I, I, I am okay. Yep. If the sec and the big 10 get three, but it adds another one to the big 12. Um, I don't have right. any problem with that. And, and I, think, yeah, I think I think the either worst either. case I, sen- Yeah. I, I was just going to say I think the worst case scenario okay. is to do them all as at larges because then you could get meddling, right? You'd you'd worry about the rankings and you could get some meddling. But if you if we're just going through it and guaranteeing leagues certain amount of spots, I mean honestly, it feels the safest thing to me to the Big 12 to make sure it's still well, relevant in that
3: conversation. You nailed it. That's exactly right. And that's why I feel like at the top end I think the big 12 is, is farther ahead. Um, you know, when, when Oklahoma was in the league and it was a four team thing, there were a couple of times where they got in and you could argue whether they should have or shouldn't have, but because they were big 12, because they were Oklahoma, you know, they, they got a shot. And I think the big 12 is good enough without Oklahoma and Texas to get to. And you know what, <laughs> if you look at that, I think you said it really, really pretty succinctly and well because it, it is probably under this current umbrella the safest thing and the best thing for the Big 12, just the way the thing is designed um, and with the power of the two conferences and ABC, ESPN, and Fox.
0: Yeah, we just don't want – what we don't want is the SEC and the Big Ten to have the ability to have as many at-larges, quote-unquote, as they can. Correct. Uh, that's where yeah, that That's would where be we awful. get that, that separation of power. Yeah, Yeah, it would be, it would be bad for yeah. the sport. Uh, okay, Wyatt, well, yeah. we wanted to get that. So you guys have uh, the game tomorrow. Anything special coming up on the broadcast for us?
3: Nothing necessarily special, but I'm very much looking forward to this because, as we've talked about, it's such a monster game for both. I will I will say this. They're 12-5 and five at home this year, which is very good. But in league play, they're 2-5. and five. Like K-State, they've been hurt recently in games by turnovers. If K-State rebounds the ball decently well and makes some shots, and I know that's a lot, but I think they can win this game. I'm optimistic that they can. They may or may not, but I think they'll have a chance.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a good opportunity, too. All right, Wyatt, well, pregame coverage begins at 5 o'clock for K-State cincinnati tune in you'll catch it right here on kfh but doesn't get any bigger uh for the cats uh, so far this year so we're looking forward to wyatt Uh, safe travels if you're not already there if you're already there enjoy your time and we'll hear from you tomorrow on the air
3: that sounds good we leave we fly at one so we'll talk to you soon thanks guys
0: There goes Wyatt Thompson, voice of the K-State Wildcats. All kinds of great stuff there. If you missed any of it, you can always go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app to check it out. We talked a lot about that uh, big conference championship tournament. Will KFH and Taco Bell have your chance to win a trip for two to the College Hoops Championship Tournament in Kansas City, March 13th through the 16th, to cheer on your favorite team? The trip includes two all-session tournament passes and three night hotel accommodations to enter Simply text TB BIG to the number 20357. If you want a complimentary breakfast burrito, you can go to kfhradio.com, click on the events page, download the voucher, and then head to any Wichita surrounding Taco Bell locations. Excluding Hutchinson, your chance to see the College Hoops Championship Tournament and Snack Complimentary Breakfast Burrito from Taco Bell happens right here on KFH. Tommy, I will be back, wrapping up hour number one next. Welcome back everybody, Sports Daily here. Uh Tommy, did you see from down at Texas Tech, Tyler Owens at the combine? Did you see his his story? So Tyler Owens is pretty pretty top end prospect here and he is uh he's the favorite to post the fastest 40, but he says that he doesn't believe in space and other planets and, you know, feels that some of the flat earth theories have some valid points was he the guy you, that was
1: talking about birds not being real mm, i didn't him? see that one no i okay. didn't see that one there was some I, interview look, with one of the prospects talking about how every single bird on the planet is a drone i it was
0: interesting weird. that's an interesting thought you,
2: um you guys had not heard that one i hadn't no. heard that one okay the birds aren't real things started as a joke a guy. Uh, legitimately thought this is this is funny because of all of these weird conspiracies, you know, flying around everywhere. So he started his own where he would just, he would show up at protests with the sign that said birds aren't real. Eventually he got an interview. He played it straight like he actually believed it. And now there's actually a movement about birds aren't real. And ag- again, it was just this guy starting it as a joke. And that's where it all began.
1: It's the well, tight end for, for Illinois. Uh, Tip Ryman at the Combine yesterday questioned if birds are actually real. And, and I, I don't know if he's joking around about it or if uh, he legitimately believes that.
0: I love that they – lo- I love anybody that is willing to mess with these things um, because it's so ridiculous because who cares if he believes birds are real or not as a football player. Um. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. But but you know, I this so this one from the tech guy though, that space isn't real and all this. Yeah. I, it made me laugh. and I, I I've wondered, so we keep seeing the Odysseus Lander and stuff at the moon and and it do, I do laugh sometimes and like just can't shake this thought of like we haven't put a man on the moon since what? 1972, 1969. Like why has that taken us so long to do again with the technology that we have now versus then? Like, are, are are the, you know, tinfoil hat wearers about this being done in a studio, like, is there validity here? This is weird. This is this is weird. Like, why are we having so much trouble with this now when we got that done so long ago? You know what I mean? Like, every time I see it, I'm like, man, they are adding fuel to the fire there yeah. that that thing wasn't real. And I know there's all the evidence, and I believe it was real. I'm not saying that. It just made me laugh when I hear this guy say that because I keep wondering— why this is taking us so long to get somebody back up there on the moon, if we could do it,
1: you know, if we could do it. How far away from that are we, 60 years ago? That seems a little odd to me. It's been a while. It's been 50 years. 50, I mean, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't lose any sleep over that one way or the other. Um, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking, man, it's been so long since we've been on the moon. What's taking so long? I just don't, for whatever reason, that's never really entered into my my universe,
2: Jacob, if if, if if there is a universe, <laughs> Jacob, okay, cool, it would happen. Enough. It would happen tomorrow if we could figure out a way to monetize it. We would be back there tomorrow if there was profit to be made from doing so. Yeah, I, I, that, that's just, there's validity
0: there. I, I agree with that. I just it's just the other thing I think about all the time is we can get to the moon, right? We can't get to the bottom of the ocean, but we can get to the moon. That's – I feel like that's probably where the aliens are hiding out is down there deep in the ocean where we can't see them and get to them. What, the right? abyss? We see all those – well, what? No, just any alien. Like you, you see the the like the UFO videos, right? And they always seem like they just like drop down to the ocean. I feel like they're just hiding out down there waiting for our insanity to stop before they come say hi officially. Uh, but they're like, These people, those people up there are crazy. Like let's just – keep hanging out down here we can't get to the bottom of the ocean we can get to the moon but we can't get to the bottom of the ocean that's crazy to me did you miss my abyss movie reference there did you just say the loch ness
2: monster no the abyss oh, i thought you said loch ness oh. what's th- i have not seen the abyss what is the abyss uh it's a james cameron movie and if you haven't seen it you do need to check it out it's about i'm way out of my at depth. At bottom of the ocean well
1: i'm just gonna sit back and shut up because i have no idea what we're even talking about <laughs>
2: Yes, you. you we've do, gone.
1: We've gone so far off the rails.
2: You do need to see the abyss if you have not. It's a James Cameron movie. Uh, Ed Harris, I think, is the the star. Really like excellent Harris. movie. If you uh, haven't yeah, seen
0: I, it, I, I do need to check that. I've never heard of it. I, yeah these these are the things I think about. I I laugh when I see these combine answers, but that one did make. It's very topical because of the Odysseus stuff and like tipping over and how many times we've struggled to put a person back on the moon. And, uh, you know, then I think about the old astronauts, like punching people in the face, whoever ask them about the conspiracy theories. Like, it's just so, but I do think a lot about getting to the bottom of the ocean. Like, don't you kind of want to know what's down there? There has to be something down there. Like something's down there. Like what kind of creatures exist down there? Uh, And you know what? Maybe they're aliens. And if they are aliens, like what's the point
1: where they just say, hi, you an alien guy, Tommy. I've completely tuned both of you out. I'm going to let you two have this conversation. I don't know. I, again, like <laughs> I am, I'm more concerned about like, what I'm, what I'm having for breakfast than if there are aliens out there. I just don't, I don't know, I don't really spend much time thinking about
2: and it. And Jacob, you literally just went through almost the entire plot of the movie, The Abyss, in that last little screed there. You, you, you really went right through almost the entire plot of the movie. Hey, did they're, you guys hear they're that hanging that sound? out down there?
1: that that sound of everybody just turning (laughs) our show off
0: no i don't think so did
1: you pick up on Uh, that because i because i'm hearing it right now
0: I, i think people uh mike's chiming in on the bird thing i hadn't heard the bird thing conspiracy theories if not taken seriously disclaimer uh can be a lot of fun to hear all the all the crazy stuff out there and probably some of them have been true through history um but you know the best
1: part about the bird theory is that it's uh the The thought is that these drones or whatever use power lines, you know they're always studying on power lines to recharge their batteries that That's the theory behind the drones getting continuous power and never running out of battery life
0: uh interesting um i'm a I'm becoming a little concerned about Tommy's dismissal of my thought on the aliens in the ocean. I mean, men in black, Tommy, what are the chances that you're actually an alien trying to, you know, get us off the trail here um, of what could be out there? I, I Here's what I want to happen. I want, who is this guy? Tyler Owens. I want him to own this, like the like the bird drone guy, and just keep messing with people. And I hope that at the Combine, these players continue to mess with people on the ridiculous things that they're asked to answer. What is that test they have to take? The Wonderlic
1: the, do they the do Wurz, that anymore? The, Wurzer, the Wurzer Litzer, We've heard
0: called. some of these questions, and it's like, guys, like, what are we doing to these football players? Like, can we just can we go to to football players? I mean, it's it, it, these these things are wild at the combine. Uh, it's like going
1: to it, an astrophysicist and asking them, you know, what what a wheel route is. It's the, like, why are we exactly. asking? Why are or, we asking? Or lining them up for for broad jump? Right, exactly. Right? Why, <laughs> like, why are we doing that?
0: I I don't know. I don't understand, but I hope in that process, we continue to get these outrageous answers because why not? Right? Like let's, let's just have some fun with it while we're at it because none of that stuff matters. What, what Tyler Owens thinks about space has no relevance to how he'll play defensive back. Uh, But we'll talk about it because it's, you know, it's now March 1st and we have about, uh, we're, we're entering that time of the year where college basketball absolutely takes over, but the Combine, we, we always get these fun stories. Caleb Williams not going to take a physical. That's an interesting concept at the thing. I do want to talk about the Caleb Williams-Justin Fields thing. I, I mean, I can't. It's just so fascinating what's going to happen here. Uh, best fits for Fields is Williams the guy. we get getting into all of that as we make our way through. We're also going to get you ready for this college basketball weekend. We talked a lot about K-State. You can listen to the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, break it down on the odyssey app we'll get into wichita state this weekend we'll get into ku this weekend as we return i want to say thanks to prairie fire coffee for fueling our mornings here at kfh always love the coffee there from the folks at prairie fire we'll come back hour number two of sports daily coming up